Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 388. And tonight we are back on schedule. We are talking about Lore Olympus, episode 254, which is available for free right now on the Webtoons app, and 255, which is only available if you are fast passing the episodes, which we are, because this was definitely one of those episodes where having read 254, there was no way I was not going to fast pass the next episode. I don't know about you, I was kind of like a little bit bummed out and anxious by the time I finished both of the episodes because you guys, Apollo's plot is so much worse than I imagined it was going to be. I mean, obviously it had to be bad and it had to be realistic for him to be a believable antagonist, but it's so bad. Oh, gracious. Um, Yeah, I don't know. You took all the notes, so you've got the general recap order that we can take this in. I just have to say that I know that Rachel is not going to end this series without giving us some type of satisfying ending for Apollo, and yet... That You're right. I'm so, so anxious because I'm thinking, he's going to get away with it. He's going to get away with it, and he's going to do something to take Persephone away from Hades, and Demeter's going to go along with it. <sighs> okay, so we start out right where the last episode ended with Psyche and Eros finding Zeus has collapsed, and Hebe, I thought it was maybe... Hera. I'm always mistaking Hebe for Hera, but so they see what happens, and then they see Apollo, and they go to confront him, only to have Leto show up with an arrow to Cassandra's neck. And they're both like, you guys know too much, so if you don't want us to put a hole through her throat, you're going to have to follow along. So they get locked up in a dungeon in Leto's house, which both of them think is kind of odd that Leto has a dungeon, but like they're out of it. They are out of play at this point, locked away in an enchanted dungeon. Great. Yeah. So of course, Apollo comes in the room all like, oh no, what's happened to Zeus? And Hebe's like, where are Eros and psyche and he said oh wow there don't worry about it they had to take care of something else um so wow this is terrible what happened she said oh i don't know and he picks up the note that says you know here's something a sweet treat that you definitely had coming and it's got her name on it and she's sitting here going i I didn't write that and apollo is his absolute worst smug oh wow i can't believe you did this this is so bad just because you're my sister i'm gonna give you a chance to run for it like he's doing her a favor and of course she's terrified so she runs for it yep 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 and he immediately i don't know sasses at zeus's comatose body for a while and then he gets on his phone and he says something like there's been an emergency i need your best journalist i'm like yeah here's me thinking he was calling medical services no he was calling the news obviously yeah and arrows i mean um psyche had wanted to know if they should bring in asclepius and uh arrow says he can't really be trusted which we always knew that he was apollo's kind of underling so that was a good choice on his part but but yeah we go back down after that to the mortal realm and and Persephone has no idea what's happening. She's always associated snow with really good memories. I think maybe of like being in the underworld. And now it's she calls it a betrayal. But the problem is it's coming from her. Everything she does to try to bring things to life again just kills it. She says, I can only create ice and rot and decay. And it's just, she's, everything about her powers has now turned completely around and she can't make it stop. Yeah. And Demeter, while throwing dagger-like glances at Hades every once in a while, is telling her, you know, I think that's enough. I think you need to stop because, of course, you know, 
Persephone keeps trying to fix everything and is just killing more things. And she kind of gets Persephone to sort of pause, but then when her back is turned, Persephone runs off and says, I can, I can do it, I can fix it, I can fix it. And Demeter is just yelling at Hades, going, can you just stop her? And Hades yells, I can't stop her from trying. And she does seem like she's grown a little bit, Demeter, because she's soothing Persephone, but she's not doing a whole, what did you do, kind of thing. She just yeah. knows her daughter's suffering, and she tells her, I think it would be good if you went home right now. And I do think she means down to the underworld, which is I, yeah a real growth for her. But Demeter wants to start fixing all this, and she can't do it with Persephone here still killing things. Yeah, and so Persephone runs away, tries again, but it doesn't work, and she collapses. And Hades runs to her and says, you know, she's, I think she's unconscious. And that's when Demeter really lets the bitch out of the cage. Yeah, you and your underworld just had to have her. You killed the goddess of spring. And that's where the episode ends with Hades taking Persephone away. And Demeter, she went into her full god mode with all the the leaves and everything. And you see her collapsing, I guess, down into the earth or something. But then you ended with this little comment from Rachel saying, no, Demeter doesn't think Persephone's dead. (laughs) Just like, did she do that because she knew that was what the reaction was? Or did she have to do an edit after like a thousand comments? Demeter thinks she's dead? Yeah, I didn't see anything in the commenters saying one way or the other. I assume she did it ahead of time. She's always been very gentle with the readers. If there's even a hint of violence, especially sexual violence, she always kind of wants to reassure people and give people a heads up and everything. I think she was worried that people were going to read that and be like, she killed Persephone. And Rachel's not the type of person to have like a cliffhanger like that. In a network television show, they'd be like, is Persephone really dead? And Rachel be like, no, she's not. No, it's still bad. All right. So that was where the episode ends. Now on to the Fast Pass episode 255. Persephone and Hades come home to the worst timed birthday surprise party ever. I know. You've got Hermes, who was in charge of getting the cake, and he's crowing about the fact that he got a carrot cake with walnuts. And I think it's one of the Furies. He says, everybody hates carrot cake with walnuts. Why would you have a birthday cake like that? And everybody walks in, and I don't know, before... Persephone and Hades could actually open the door. Thanatos and Hecate are reading a news report that says there's been this huge upswing of unexpected deaths. And they think, well, that can't be right. And they see Persephone and Hades about to walk in. And I think they realize right at that moment, oh, God, something's wrong. We shouldn't do this. And it's way too late. Hades and Persephone open the door and everyone yells, surprise! And Persephone <laughs> bursts into tears. Yeah, that stricken look on her face was just so wonderfully done. But also Dionysus is there and little baby Dionysus. And he's just delighted that all this is happening. But, of course, Persephone is just crushed. And I love the drawing of Hades just like wrapping his ceremonial cloak around her as she's oh, crying. Yes. So Persephone's out in the greenhouse trying to make things grow again. And Hades and Hecate are cleaning up all the birthday stuff. And oh. it's interesting the parallel going on here because Hades is seeing how crushed Persephone is. And he's just thinking about she's now given up being the goddess of spring because they both think that well, Hades suggests that maybe this is part of her exchange with Erebus. 
And right. I, I hadn't noticed this until I read um, this through the second time in the previous episode when she's out trying to figure out what the heck is happening, why her powers aren't working. You see these ghostly flashes of the tree in the underworld with the pomegranate, and you also mm-hmm. see the skeletal form of Erebus. So it really does seem like this is part of the exchange. We don't know all the details of what it is. I'm still holding out on the idea that this is what leads to the six months of darkness and six months of spring and summer. So Hades is wondering, what if he's not worth it to her, that she gave up so much for him? And she's out in the greenhouse thinking about the fact that he's probably in there defending her. And what if she's not worth being defended? So, of course, they're both sure that they're the worst thing that could happen to the person that they love. I swear, it's like the worst version of Gift of the Magi. You know, they're both going to leave saying, oh, this will be better for you. And all, meanwhile, the readers are going, would you stop that? God. <laughs> but while she's out there, at one point, she accidentally kills one of the grapevines that's out there. It's one of Dionysus's grapevines. And he says something to her. Did you write down what he says? I did. It's suicate. Now, the readers had some theories. I think it's really interesting is that they think suicate, it's what Zeus ate, or, oh. or resuscitate. So oh, interesting. Yeah, could, but she, of course, doesn't understand it, and she says something like, oh, yeah, we should probably get back inside. And he's got this, like, grumpy expression, and the text underneath says, that's not what he said at all. Yeah, yeah, and for all of the scenes that are happening afterwards, he's still holding on to that grapevine and, like, shaking it around and trying to get somebody's attention. So he has something very important to say, and I think some of the commenters thought that it might be one of Dionysus's grapes that ends up resuscitating Zeus, which would be very interesting. It's what Zeus ate. Is it possible that she's accidentally turned it into the poisonous plant that was what did him Zeus in in the first place? We have no idea. Okay, because I was thinking the whole time that what this is going to turn out to be because uh, Dionysus is a god of growing and spring and stuff too, and so I wondered if somehow this would all kind of mesh together that the times that she couldn't be there for spring, Dionysus would pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. So I thought that might be what happens. Um, but she comes inside and immediately tells Hecate and Hades and Thanatos, I think is there still? Mm-hmm. I think so. That she wants to talk to Erebus. And they're thinking, well, you can't really go to this kind of eldritch, great big godlike thing and just ask for an appointment. But Hecate says, I don't know, maybe you can. I, I also loved her expression in that when she says, look, I know they are very mysterious and important, but I have questions. <laughs> so <I love> how <laughs> flat she just laid that out. Yeah, though I'm sure if this is what it actually is, Erebos is going to point out, hey, you said you would give anything and I took you at your word and this is what you get. Persephone will definitely have some arguments about that, but I think the legalities of that one are pretty tight. I think so. But the fact that the pomegranate was used in the image and when she ate the pomegranate in the original myth she ate six seeds and that meant six months in the underworld so I really do hope that this was Erebus's plan that she balances out her love for the underworld with her need to bring life to the mortal realm but of course before they can do any of that they got a call from Ass Apollo and Apollo 
tells uh, Hades that there's been a problem and that Zeus is in a coma, but don't worry, he's now stepped into control and he's going to handle it. Oh, and also, he knows about Kor's little problem, Persephone, and he thinks it's time he takes her off his hands. And I'm like, oh, you go to hell. You go to hell, Apollo. That's not happening. Which, of course, is what Hades is thinking, and he's going into his, like, glowing godlike mode. Doesn't he call him a little insect or something? At oh, one yeah. Point? Yeah, you don't you don't have the authority to do that. And Apollo's like, oh, I think you'll find that I do. Crap. And that's why I'm worried about, because Demeter is furious at Hades and thinks that the underworld has taken away all of Persephone's powers. What if, I mean, she's never told her mother about what Apollo did, has no. she? No, she hasn't. But I'm holding on to hope a, a couple of things. One, she's not going to be a fertility goddess while she's bringing death to things around there. So she's going to be useless to Apollo's purposes. Some of the commenters pointed that out. And the other thing is what Metis told Persephone, that because of what Apollo did to her, it doesn't mean that she's tethered to him, that the whole fertility goddess thing only happens if there's love between them. And I think Kronos knows that, because that's why he's trying to get Hera to admit that she actually loved him. So it's like, this is an important element, and I can't wait for Apollo to find that out, to find out that not only did having sex with Persephone not bind her to him, it pretty much guaranteed that she was never going to be bound to him ever. Yeah, because all of the previous fertility goddesses did actually love the people that they were with. Um, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Medes mm-hmm. with Zeus. Zeus, excuse me. Zeus? Zeus. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, he ended up eating her because of uh, he needed her power and she'd had That's a thing right. with I him. Was I was thinking Kronos and everything. Anyway, they all love them, except Hera didn't love Kronos. But yeah, it's because I, as horrible as the previous gods were, they never raped any of them. I don't and think so. No. Was, yeah, Apollo was the first one to do that, which is not strictly true in Zeus's case. I mean, if you go by the traditional mythologies, he was pretty rapey sometimes. Yes, he was. Yeah. Boy, but he's like, he's such a hound dog in Lore Olympus as well. I mean, how many of the goddesses was he sleeping with at the same time? You know, Demeter and Hera and Medes. Yeah. So the phone conversation does not go well. Is that the point where we get the breaking news from oh, yes. the TV station? Yep, the, the breaking news that Zeus is in a coma and Apollo is in charge. And Apollo says, yes, this is a tragedy, but we'll handle it. And he has called a emergency roundtable conference. I'll see you all soon. And we end on an image of Persephone's eyes glowing red. So she is she's going to be on a rampage by the next episode. Yep. Yeah, because he was called calling for all of the leaders and rulers to come to this meeting. That includes Hades, and that includes Persephone, because she is queen of the underworld. Yeah, that's right. Oh, gosh, man. I I would hope that in this meeting, when he tries to get high-handed and say that Persephone obviously belongs with him, it would be, on one level, satisfying if Demeter went, yes, you should really consider this. This would be a great idea. And that's when Persephone says, no, I won't because he raped me. However, that's not usually how a rape victim would want the information to get out. So I can't think that Rachel is going to have Persephone just blurt out that information in a meeting. However, 
it would be satisfying if Demeter privately suggested that to Persephone and then Persephone hit her with that knowledge between the eyes. But I don't think Rachel's going to do that either. I feel like they've, their relationship is, I don't know, going to be a little more healthy than that. I just, I want to see Apollo get his comeuppance. But I also still kind of want Demeter to suffer a little bit too. Is that wrong? I don't think that's wrong. I think Demeter left Persephone open to some things by not telling her about the whole fertility goddess thing. Yes. And I think she... I I don't know because it's neither of their fault that Apollo did what he did but Persephone had no idea that he would see Persephone as you know an asset and that sex is probably going to be involved so that was but that's another reason why I think Persephone never told Demeter because Apollo raped her because she was not staying in the war room. She was up on Olympus, and that's something Demeter never wanted her to do, and Demeter never wanted to have men in the house. And so I think Demeter might do a little bit of victim blaming, but I think Persephone still on some level blames herself as well. Uh, she does, yeah. And also she was in the mortal realm because Demeter was trying to cover up the uh, whole towering goddess murdering a bunch of mortals kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it wasn't, yeah. It'd be Perse- if, if she had let Persephone go just right when she first requested it, then yeah, I could see Demeter blaming Artemis maybe for not keeping her safe. But no, Demeter, oh, I think she will, yeah. Yeah, Demeter only allowed her to do that when she needed her out of the mortal realm in the first place. Yeah, true, true, true. So a lot of the commenters are also having a discussion about who would be, if there was a sort of legal thing involved, who would legally be next in line from Zeus? Because, you know, Hades as brother would probably be more likely, except for the fact that Hades can't stay out of the underworld for too long. And then, of course, there would be Poseidon, Nobody thinks Poseidon's going to be ready for the job. Um, no. His one of his firstborn sons, Ares, and he's like a legitimate son too. Ares is not qualified to be a ruler at all. No, but however, they said some of the commenters pointed out that Ares would try and take control by force with the armies that he already commands. And if he took all of Aphrodite's children, because you know Aphrodite's got some kids, he could make a whole nother army with all those kids. He could. And then there's also Dionysus, but I don't think anyone's suggesting Dionysus be the uh, the next ruler. No, and I don't think he will be, though it is interesting that that information is going to come out. And I don't know. I mean... Apollo is not a legitimate... I mean, he is a legitimate son now. Yeah, that's true. Zeus He's been legitimized. Yeah, I know. Damn it. Shoot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's Leto's just been so awful about all this when she locked up Eros and Psyche. She said something about, I don't know, don't take it personally, Ares is... Ares. Apollo is going to make the world a better place, I think? Yeah, she's, I he's trying she, to make the world a better place, something like that. I don't know if she believes that or not. I think she's just all interested in power. Yeah. I'm still wondering what her reaction is going to be like if she finds out what Apollo did to Persephone, how badly he complicated things for himself and herself, most importantly. She went down to the underworld to try to convince Persephone that Apollo loved her and Persephone telling her that Apollo said, you don't need to like me in order to be my wife was, you could tell that caught Leto by surprise that he could be that stupid. Yeah. But I also think that in the end, Leto will always believe her son over everybody else. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. yeah, she's going to, 
she'll, and that's, I was thinking about that today, that she would confront Apollo with that knowledge if she had it, and then Apollo would tell her the God's honest truth, that Persephone said yes. And as far as Leto's concerned, that meant consent, even though it completely didn't. Right, yes, because saying yes to somebody who has snuck into your room when you have nobody else to defend you is not the same as consent. No, it is certainly not. Ugh. Ugh, ugh. So we got a couple of weeks to wait. I know, God. And I'm going to have to stop reading, uh, stop taking a look at the little um, the Fast Pass spoiler images because I do feel like it's been giving me a little bit more information than I should have. So I'll probably try to stay away from those. But, ugh, ugh, ah. Man alive. Um, speaking of Man Alive, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. We both actually watched the Doctor Who 60th anniversary special. With David Tennant and Catherine Tate. And I love the fact that they have now given Donna back all her memories. Thank goodness. And so now she could be really happy because it was really obvious that she could never be 100% happy because there was always some part of her that remembered the Doctor without really remembering him. Like, the, the Doctor gave her a winning lottery ticket for her birthday present and she gave it all away like millions of dollars she gave it away and that's a real that's a real sign of how much her husband loves her that he still loves her even after doing that and doesn't resent her for it I mean they they bought themselves a house and then they gave everything else away and she even tells the doctor when she gets her first gets her memories back she's like do you know why I did that because I was trying to be like you she's so mad oh my goodness (laughs) I gotta tell you well first I gotta say obviously giant spoiler warnings if you haven't watched the 60th anniversary so the episode starts and I already knew that David Tennant was going to be back this is temporary I think it's Mm -hmm. only for a few episodes I knew he was going to be back I did not know the circumstances, but it is interesting that neither does David Tennant's doctor. He knows that he's got this face back, but he doesn't know why. And this episode doesn't quite figure that out either. We're going to find out, I'm sure. But the episode starts, and there's a little intro by him and Donna, and then it kicks into the triumphant Doctor Who theme music. I actually started to cry. I, don't know it was. <laughs> I mean, I love Christopher Eccleston's Doctor because he was my first Doctor, technically. Yes, I had watched some of the fourth Doctor's episodes, but Christopher Eccleston was really my Doctor. But let's be honest, David Tennant is hands down the best Doctor we've ever had. And to have him back, even temporarily, and then just, it was so nostalgic and so amazing. I kept on having to pause the episode because I started to get weepy. (laughs) And it's so good. And it's such great, you like, of course, they've got a new version of the theme music and they've got new intro animation and it's all just great. And it was, it was a fun, cute episode. You've got Donna with her daughter, Rose, which, I mean, the doctor hears that and he's absolutely blown away. And it turns out her daughter is trans and she chose the name Rose when she embraced her new identity. And then you get to the end of the episode and that whole, it was like the metacrisis was the reason why Donna had to forget because otherwise the metacrisis that she had absorbed from the TARDIS or the doctor or whatever would have killed her. But it turned out she passed part of it down to her child and that was why her child in some way remembered a little bit of what her mother remembered and that's why she chose the name Rose. (laughs) I think the only thing that didn't quite work for me and we'll get into this in a bit more in a minute but 
the reason why they were able to not die from all the energies is there'd been a lot of talk about gender and trans nature, everything in the episode, which I think is really good. It's also driving the toxic nerd bros on Twitter out of their tiny little minds, but more on that later. But they mentioned when they realized what had happened and they were going to let, you know, keep those energies from killing themselves. I think Donna said something like, oh, well, we can handle this because of something that a male presenting doctor would never really know how to do. We can let it go. And I was like, um, oh, I don't know that that was necessary. That seemed just that seemed more mean and smug than anything else. And also, I'm not entirely sure what it meant. Was it a reference to menstruation, which is certainly not correct because there are plenty of women who don't menstruate and plenty of men who do? Or was it a mention of women being able to let things go, which I also don't believe because I have guy friends who can let things go way better than I can. I mean, I can hold a grudge like you would not believe. So I I wasn't sure what the line actually meant. Well, the Best Pick podcast actually did an episode about the new Doctor Who episode, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, And their guest, uh, I will have to put a link to the episode. Um, Yeah, she, her... God, it was kind of like, oh my God, you felt so bad for her because her husband had been the one who'd been the huge Doctor Who fan, but he passed away from cancer very recently and oh. like had not lived long enough to see the 60th anniversary, which he had been looking forward to. I'm like, oh my God, oh, oh my God. God. Oh, yeah, God. but she was very enthusiastic about everything, but she also was able to pick up on some of these things that didn't work, but then point out why they didn't work. And that mm-hmm. particular line, she was like, well, yes, but the doctor just got done being a female presenting doctor so the doctor would have some insight more than like just a you know solid male presenting whatever uh but she really thinks that it was because of the the line wouldn't have worked as well if it had been more of an explanation like the whole idea about maybe it was more of a well you're a 2000 year old time lord but you don't understand things the way humans can because humans can let things go that probably would have been more accurate but she said it doesn't it's not as snappy of a line when you can get something that basically says cause a man wouldn't understand yeah boy I agree with all of that absolutely everything like I can see what they were trying to do but it really didn't work. And I thought in the end, it kind of added to some of the more toxic discord that's on the internet right now. Well, they also talked about the fact that, you know, (laughs) when Donna was first experiencing the metacrisis and you could see that it was building up to something that was going to be deadly and her brain started breaking down. And one of the things that she repeated over and over again was binary, 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 binary. And then she has a daughter who's non-binary. Well, that caused some questions on the Best Pick podcast because they were like, is trans the same thing as non-binary? Is like, can you be non-binary if, if you're not traditionally cisgender? I mean, it just, I mean, they, that was one of the things they did like and that I like too, is that early on in the episode, Donna was talking with her mother and her mother said something and Donna had to correct her a little bit about Rose. And her mother wasn't doubling down on it. She was like, yes, I'm, I'm so sorry. I just... I, you know, I make mistakes and I'm like, you know, that, that yeah. sort of thing, like you want to say the right thing, but sometimes you just can't, or, or sometimes you don't even know that there is a thing that you said that was supposed to be something different. Like I actually looked up the Matt Smith episode. I think it was called a town called mercy that had that, a scene that I thought was wonderful that a sheriff lets, um, 
the Matt Smith doctor used his horse and said his name is like Hosiah or something like that. And the doctor says, no, his name is Susan, and he wants you to respect his life choices. And I thought that yes. was great. Apparently, a lot of people took offense because what? if it actually been a horse that was transgender or embracing a new identity, it would have been she. Her name is. And so they thought that that was kind of making fun of trans people. And I'm like, yeah, years ago, I, I didn't even know that that was a problem until like two days ago. So I just, yeah. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And I yeah. like the fact that Donna's like, hard ass of a mother loves her granddaughter and wants to do right by her and admits that sometimes she doesn't know the right thing to say, but she still wants to keep trying. Yeah. It's like you always say, you know, it's like revealing spoilers on the internet and everything. You have to look at intent. Mm -hmm. Are you intentionally misgendering somebody? Then you're an asshole. Did you do it accidentally? You should really try not to do that and apologize, but also accept the fact that you're probably going to make mistakes because this is a new situation for a lot of people. Yes, yes. But there were so many things about the episode that I liked on certainly the message was really wonderful in a lot of cases. I like the fact that the the image of the meep that I saw online before I actually watched the episode, mm-hmm. they only showed the image of the meep in its cute form. I never saw the horrific thing. So it was literally... About 30 seconds, I saw the twist coming about 30 seconds ahead of time. Other people may have seen it coming sooner, but they didn't enjoy it the way I did. And that the meep, everybody assumed that the meep was a wonderful, poor, helpless creature. But actually, it was staggeringly evil. Staggeringly evil. Actually, using a starship drive that was going to break open the Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Double-bladed dagger drive. What a great name for a terrible spaceship. That oh, is I loved that. great. I hope that comes up somewhere else because that's such a fantastic name for a starship. And then there were so many little... It's like David Tennant never stopped being the Doctor. He fell back into the character so easily. You've got the... I guess it's the S.H.I.E.L.D. soldiers. Some of them had been taken over by the Meeb. Is it S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, unit. It's not shit. Unit. God, sorry, I was getting my Marvel stuff mixed in there. <laughs> sorry. Cross the streams. Yes, it's the unit soldiers who were running up to the door, and they pounded on the door, but the doctor doesn't know that they've been taken over by the meep, so he hears them knocking on the door. He says, oh yeah, that's for me. They've come to get us to safety, and he opens the door, and he's all cheerful, and they shout something in his face. And you see his face kind of fall for a second. He goes from being cheerful to being serious very fast. And he immediately goes, can you go ahead and say that again? And hits the helmet off to the side with a sonic screwdriver to kind of lift the visor up to see the glowing eyes and then put it back down. I don't know what it is, but I had to rewind and watch it again. It is such a classic Doctor Who mannerism. And I just loved it. <laughs> I love that he agreed to come back. I don't know if he's been pining to come back or if this was something of a surprise, but I was a very nice surprise for all of us. So yeah, I think it was just fun. It was adorable. Mm. Even the meat being evil was adorable. I imagine people are probably making meat dolls as we speak. They've got to be. That was another thing you realized that that's the reason why Rose was always making these stuffed animals and she does a pretty good job. She's got, you know, people outside the country who are buying them from her, but they're all these strange little creatures she makes. And then they focus in on the creatures at the end and they're all classic Doctor Who monsters because she remembered them. Ah. (laughs) Loved it. Loved it. You know, I think the Best Pick podcast said that, um, and I think Nathan may have pointed this out as well, that this storyline was based on a comic book that came out ages ago. That was what the Meep's design was too. But they said that in the comic book, the Meep, like, 
winks at the audience and the audience knows way before any of the characters do that yes the meep is evil and apparently russell t davis wanted to do that but i think the producers said no we need to keep everybody in the dark until we have the big reveal and they really weren't sure would it have worked better or not because nathan and i did kind of see ahead of time we're like he's so helpless he's got to be evil oh wait (laughs) we're misgendering the meep and i did like i i hope nobody's taking offense at this line but when Rose pointed out about you're assuming that the meep is he and the doctor is like, I'm so sorry, you asked if the meep is he or she. It's like, my pronouns are the definitive. I am always the meep. Like, that's great. Yeah, though. I mean, it's the meep because there is only one left now because they had to kind of be taken out. So, yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So, yes, great episode. We won't say anything more about it. You should definitely watch it because, I mean, we've spoiled most of it anyway, but you should still watch it. So, anyway. And we've got another episode ready to watch already. So now, now we have to jump on that. Oh, so excited. But that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Ooh, let's see. At time of this recording... We are 12 days away from Designer Con. Very excited, very excited. I hope I'm not like putting the cart before the horse. I hope everything does work out and I get to go. You never know. I mean, schedules can change (laughs) and everything. But let's, fingers crossed, we will get to go. And we also are not entirely sure what our recording schedule is going to be because at some point, we're not going to say when, there's going to be some travel involved and Mm -hmm. we will be in the same area for a while. So at some point, there may be a fan art gallery or not uh, because we're specific (laughs) a Christmas theme one I think we could do that I think we could do that so but one way or the other we will talk to everybody in one week talk to y'all later for Apollo to really find that out. That Hold on a second. There's a uh, sound of uh, traffic in the background. Yeah, but you can keep talking because okay. it won't come over on your side. Oh, that's, that's very true. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, where the heck was I? Okay.